Your day has just begun. Yeah! But for DJ and PK, they're just hitting their stride. It's time for all your headlines from the night in sports. As DJ and PK tell you what's trending. Are you ready? ready? On 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Yeah! Hashtag Utah Jazz. Clarkson comes off a white side pick, gets in the lane, flares to the top to Ingles, has airspace, lets it rip, misses. Donovan, offensive rebound, back up and in. The Jazz have been dominating on the offensive glass. Gabe gives it up to Clarkson with three. He'll shoot the three, he'll hit the three. Jordan Clarkson, flame on for the final two field goals of the third quarter. Rudy Gay drives, misses, gets his own rebound. Jams it back up and in. Mike Conley driving into the lane. Gets in the cup. Draws. Foul. Finishes the five-footer with the right hand. Rebound. Donovan Mitchell with a right-hand snag. Comes to the front court. Three defenders. He snakes through them. Gives to Bogey. Right side three. Pow! LaMelo all over Conley. Conley forearm shoves him in the chest twice. Ball is 6'6 with his outstretched arm. Rotate to Donovan. Donovan attacking from the angle right to the window. Finishes. Plus the foul. The Utah Jazz beat the Charlotte Hornets 112-102. They didn't shoot it well, but they had a huge early lead, and they played well in the final few minutes, and they get the win. PK, after back-to-back home losses, take it and run. Don't complain complain about the details. You called it, DJ. I got to give you credit. (laughs) Why would you do that? Is that off a promo that's begun to annoy you? (laughs) (laughs) It's a nice win. And I like that they were challenged a little bit. You know, blow a 22-point lead and then have to come back. And then once you've got them, we've seen this plenty of times where the team that's trailing uses up a ton of emotion and energy and talent to get back in. And then the other team uh, wakes up and just puts you away. And that's what we had. That is exactly how it played out. It was uh, it was not looking good there for a couple of minutes, but the last uh, three minutes or so were were all jazz, and yeah. uh, they went off down the stretch there. And 102 points, PK. If they could hold people to 102 points, it would solve a lot of problems. They could win a lot of games. They could serve not, survive nights that they don't shoot the three well, which was last night. And also didn't shoot the two well, for that matter. And they can survive all that because they got a lot of town, a lot of guys, and they'll get enough to get by if they hold people to 102 points. Continuing on your numbers game, Rudy Gobert shot the one very well. (laughs) I like it. (laughs) How'd you shoot the one tonight, Rudy? Uh, Quite well, yes. Well, that's important, and I like the accent. No, it is, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, the post game was hilarious. I enjoyed that if you were with us. Uh, we just played it for you in the last segment, or if you heard it last night. Rudy has always had confidence going to the rim and has always had confidence at the free throw line. But the rest of us didn't always have confidence, and Donovan got the question. Oh, no disrespect, but I have a lot more confidence now. I think Donovan speaks for a lot of us when he says that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how many times he's going to even get to the line 16 times, but go fif- make... F- Score 15 points from the free throw line. I, I, I got to imagine that's a career high. I don't know how many times he's going to do that. But when you look at his form, there's no reason why he can't be good. His form looks fine. And back to Donovan's point, he put a lot of work in on it. He said, uh, must have been Alex Jensen, I would assume. Rudy said he broke, broke it down over the last year and a half and built it back up. 
Well, you should when you're getting paid all that money and it's important to the team. This is your job. So I, I, it, it's hard for me to give him credit for doing something that he should be doing. But at the same time, I appreciate that he's doing it. Right. And we've seen other people who either haven't done it or yeah. you know, haven't tried to do it or tried to do it and just couldn't pull it off. And we can go through a whole list of guys who shoot free, especially big guys, but other players too, who don't shoot free throws well. And when you're 15 of 16, that's an awesome night at the line. You've got to shoot the one well. And he shot the one well. 23 points, 21 rebounds for Rudy Gobert in the win. The Jazz win 112-102. They're off today, they're off tomorrow, and then the Minnesota Timberwolves come to town Thursday, and they don't think Rudy's uh, all that good at blocking shots or being a great defensive player. Kristaps Porzingis now, he really bugs him. So two or three days to play with that and get Rudy all fired up. I assume his teammates will drop a few mentions on him right there. DJ and PK. Hashtag NBA. We have five seconds to go. A nasty wow. crossover to the rack inside. Bubbled by Bradley. And then DeRozan takes it in for the tenths of a second. Well, it looks like DeMar DeRozan's out here playing against guys at the YMCA. Giddy's open and lays it in. Thunder by one. 96-95 with 50 seconds to play. Draymond dumped it down to Iguodala. Back to the basket. Finds Curry. Circles to the right. Three ball. Good. And the Warriors are breaking it up with a 10-0 one. Doug Christie wants another timeout. Here's a steal of midcourt, and Murray's got clear sailing. A two-hand slam for DeJounte Murray. Highlights from the NBA. The Warriors win again. They beat the Sacramento Kings 113-98. to They don't slip up very often, PK. They just keep winning. Since you love your stats, I saw one that when Draymond Green has a triple-double, the Warriors are 30-1. and All right, so don't let Draymond have a triple-double, right? Uh, yeah, I would think that would be the goal every game, but sometimes, you know, he is better than you are preventing him. 25-6 and six now for the Warriors. Percentage points behind the Suns in the race for the NBA's best record. They did have that Loss in Toronto, but no reason to have back-to-back losses in the Warriors' world. They bounce right back and win. And get the victory over the Kings by 15. The Sixers beat the Celtics 108-103. Joel Embiid, 41 points in that game. And late in the game when they needed buckets, they just kept going back to him, and he just kept crushing it. One shot after another in the post, stepping off the post, kind of making those Tim Duncan 17-footers from the angle. Money, PK, one after another. I flipped over to that game on NBA TV and just happened to hit the last two minutes in a Jazz commercial break, and he was relentless. Yeah, he's a star. It's just a matter of him having availability. Yeah. Well, he was available, and uh, they had Ennis Cantor, a.k.a. Ennis Freedom now, on him. And uh, they had no chance. He had like nine points in the last minute and a half. Philly gets the win. They beat Boston 108-103. The Bulls, who are having a season, pick up another win. They beat the Rockets 133-118. to And the Spurs, who beat the Jazz, turned around and crushed the Clippers 116-92. Spurs now 8-5 in the last 13 games after a horrible start. They're playing a little better. And we already knew it, but now I guess it's official. Steve Kerr formally introduced as the next coach of the U.S. men's basketball team. He will succeed Greg Popovich. Lead them to the 2023 Basketball World Cup and the 2024 Paris Olympics. 
Eric Spolstra from Miami, Monty Williams from Phoenix, and Gonzaga coach Mark Few will be his assistants. Good. DJ and PK. Hashtag college basketball. Early game for the Utes tonight. 5 o'clock. Pac-12 Networks. The Utes and Fresno State. Fresno State coming in 9-2. and two. Steve Cleveland was just talking about uh, them and how well they're playing. Test the Utes. See what Utah has tonight. Your level of expectation for this one for Utah? Well, reading up on it, I don't think Fresno State has played a, a tough schedule. Uh, they got that one player, the big guy that uh, Steve was talking about, and I don't think Carlson is going to play. I think he's, what, a protocol for uh, for Utah? So I don't necessarily have that big of an expectation one way or the other. Uh, that's pretty much it. A lot of games on the Pac-12 network today, so the Utes will be playing a little early at 5 o'clock. they got like four games in a row there all day long if you want to watch college hoops. The Aggies host Portland State in the spectrum, 7 o'clock. Scotty G will have the call. It ought to be a win for Utah State, you would think. Portland State comes in with a 3-6 and six record. The Aggies are 8-4, and four, feeling like a scheduled victory right there. One of those games on the Pac-12 networks will be UVU. They're in Seattle taking on Washington. That's going to be at 7 o'clock on a Pac-12 regional broadcast. So, depending on whether you're like PK and you spend about Northwest 500 bucks. Yeah, if you spend like 500 bucks, you probably got that then. So, you got the Pac-12 regionals, PK, and the uh, the two systems you've got? Got them buried in there somewhere? Not on the screen. I can get them on the computer. Oh, there you go. All right, DJ and PK. Hashtag NFL. Round two. Dead on. Yes, the Raiders sideline explodes. I give a jackpot, partner. Jackpot, there you go. <laughs> Kirk goes out of the shotgun into the face of the Bears fans. Kirk takes the snap, fires, caught, touchdown! A touchdown back right of the end zone for Emir smith Marset. The first touchdown of his career. Minnesota Vikings have taken a 16-3 lead. Well, the history has changed since that statement. You know, a lot of things went on last year that I was very proud of him, and I made a decision that this was best for our football team. Tampa Bay head coach Bruce Arians there changing his stance on troubled wide receiver Antonio Brown after bringing him back following his most recent suspension for submitting a fake COVID-19 vaccination card. Despite Arians' own comments last year in which he said to Brown, if he screws up one more time, he's done. Arians told reporters, well, the history's changed since that statement. A lot of things went on last year, and you heard the rest of it right there. So Godwin's out with an ACL, so they're going to put up with Brown. Is that pretty uh, – yeah, if I connected both on. of the dots? Just, just call it like it is. I'm going to drop the hammer on this. Godwin's we out for the year. We want to win our Hold other on. guy, yeah, probably our second-best receiver behind Evans, and not, not including the tight end. Yeah, he's hurt, and so we need Brown. I mean, Brown is just, he's all sorts of trouble. He's been all sorts of trouble for years and years, but he's good. And they need him right now. Godwin, they thought it was an MCL, but Chris Godwin is out with a torn ACL. So his season is over. Just say, Bruce, I'm paid to win games. I'm not paid to be a uh, Boy Scout leader or some immoral uh, leader here. We're supposed to win games, and that's my job. He helps us win. You don't like it? What can I tell you? You also heard a jackpot there. 
a prompted jackpot, but a jackpot nonetheless. As the Raiders win on the final play of the game, 48-yard field goal from Daniel Carlson, they squeak past Cleveland 16-14. Cleveland didn't have Baker Mayfield. The game was delayed because Cleveland's got a lot of guys in uh, COVID protocols. But the Raiders win the Monday afternoon game. Both those teams are 7-7, a game out of the playoffs, but they got a lot of teams to leap in the final three games. So difficult path to the postseason for both those teams. Big time uh... disappointing loss for Cleveland. Didn't Carlson, doesn't he look like he would be an excellent kicker? Long and lanky, looks like he can stretch like Gumby. <laughs> and just whip that leg through. Yeah. I mean, as they say, that would have been good from 65. The Vikings <laughs> beat the Bears 17-9. to If you thought there wasn't much offense in the Raider-Browns game, and there wasn't, should have checked out that Minnesota-Chicago debacle. Jazz were on. Jazz were on. Give it a pass. That was a maybe, good night to bury a bad yeah, game. Yeah, maybe like two or three plays here and there. Kirk Cousins, 12 of 24 for 87 yards with two touchdowns and a pick, and they won the game. But just keep giving the ball to Dalvin Cook and run the clock out because you got the lead, and the Bears are turning it over on downs, missing field goals, turning the ball over. They were a mess. So Sometimes you just got to get out of the way and let the other team lose the game. And that's what the Vikings did. Vikings 7-7, seven and seven, keeping their uh, playoff hopes alive in the NFC. Two games today, Seahawks and Rams, Washington and Philadelphia. Washington and Philadelphia both 6-7, and seven, so the winner of that game will have a good shot at the playoffs. The loser, well, that'll be a little bit of a problem. It'll be a little, little trouble there, a problem hole to dig out of if they, if they drop that. But the winner will be tied for the last wild card with Minnesota and New Orleans. DJ and PK. Hashtag college football. USC reportedly hiring Texas A&M offensive line coach Josh Henson as the Trojans' new offensive coordinator and O-line coach as Lincoln Riley puts his staff together. Do we care who's on Lincoln's staff? I mean, I know it matters, but they have Lincoln Riley and he's supposed to win. He'll probably cycle through assistance because if USC is winning, that'll be a great path to getting a new job, so... But it's all on Lincoln at this point. Uh, I think it's on him and the players, certainly. you got to have the talent there, so I'm more interested in who the talent is going to be. Uh, i got to admit, I did not know who Texas A&M's offensive line coach, Josh Henson, was, but I am going to read up on him to see you know, why he was chosen. So I think you know the coordinators catch my eye for sure. And then... In today's world, you can learn about these assistants and the success they've had recruiting, and that's easy to find out. So it it certainly matters. I mean, I don't know anything about Henson and yeah. what what he's looking for, and, and who not and not just Henson, but basically who his mentors are. You know, when they hire Graham Harrell, we know one of his mentors is Mike Leach. Okay, well, that screams what type of offense they're going to run. I don't know much about Henson, so I've got to look it up and, and see where we go here. And then I mean, you'll know more by April. You know, when, once we get through spring ball, we'll get reports on that type of stuff, and we'll have a better feel, certainly as we get into the summer and then get ready for Pac-12 Media Day. We'll be prepared to ask a lot more questions then than we are now. Pac-12 announced the formation of the Pac-12 Football Alumni Council, and it features former players from all 12 member schools led by Pac-12 Associate Commissioner and former NFL star Merton Hanks. They're uh, branding this as a football think tank. 
discussing wide range of topics, football scheduling, recruiting, brand building, marketing. Utah represented by Steve Smith. Lincoln Kennedy is on this, so when he comes on with us, we can uh, talk to him about that. Uh, Brock Heward, Mike Bellotti, the former Oregon coach, some of the other recognizable names. Brandon Cooks from Oregon State, so there you go. Brand building, is that it? Figure out how the conference can push NIL money towards athletes and compete with the SEC? Yeah. To whatever level they can? And then we can talk to Lincoln about it and see what he says, but to me, this is more symbolic. Hey, look at some of the big names that we have as our alumni, and obviously they do, right? So looking at that list, I don't remember it off the top of my head, but I saw the email when it came out yesterday, and I went through the list, and it was like, okay, sure, yeah, right, I got this guy, I remember when he played, blah, 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 or if I don't remember specifically, like Lincoln Kennedy, although I do, but if I didn't, I can go, oh, well, he's a big name. He's a big guy, literally, but he's a big name. He's been around. He's in the College Football Hall of Fame. So I think the publicity of what the Pac-12 is trying to do is you know, basically how you guys down there in San Diego would parade, parade Don, Don Coriel out every third day. <laughs> you know, I mean, he's one of the legends of, in, in football coaching and an innovator and that type of thing. You know what I mean? I do. DJ and PK. Hashtag Major League Baseball. Mets make it official. Buck Showalter is the franchise's new manager. Is Buck good for what ails the Mets? Or you'd rather see their see the pitching rotation and know how healthy it stays? Well, I think that he is someone who is a stalwart in the game. He's a he's a detailed oriented dude. Oh, he's been around. Yeah. He's sixty five. I mean, you've got Larusa and Dusty Baker saying, "Hey, good job, kid. Good luck." <laughs> He famously was uh, hired to manage the Diamondbacks and hired a year in advance and wrote an entire, basically, encyclopedia on baseball the Diamondback way, how we're going to do things. That kind of stuff always cracks me up because that's going to last as long as you do. So He reminds me, and he's done a lot of work with the Baseball Network and maybe even ESPN, I can't remember, but I know I've seen him on television a million times over. And he reminds me of Hubie Brown. In terms of, man, he is just a basketball guy. And you want to break down whatever, whatever aspect of the game you want to break down. UB Brown can break it down in great te- great detail. He's not there to tell a lot of jokes. He's there to help you. Sort of like John Beck is as a football guy. John, when you talk to him, he's not one of these dudes who's going to be joking around a lot. He's, but he's going to give you great information about stuff that you need to know. Well, Showalter was the American League Manager of the Year in 94 with the Yankees, in 2004 with the Rangers, and in 2014 with the Orioles. So if he can stick around till 2024, maybe he can get an NL Manager of the Year. <laughs> Oakland A State in-house promoted Mark Kotze as their new manager. He was the third base coach under Bob Melvin. He was hired away by the San Diego Padres. So the A's will... Keep it in-house. Try to win with their uh, their money ball and their low payroll. What is Trending is brought to you by Shamrock Plumbing. There's no job too big or too small. Get the personal touch with Shamrock Plumbing. Call them at 801-295-1690. That's Shamrock Plumbing. 
right, coming up, to be determined, Joe Ingles later today. Uh, The Joe Ingles Show will commence. We don't know at what point, so stay tuned for any update on that. And Riley Jensen, our college football insider, slated to join us at 8.05. The 2021 Road Home Holiday Mediathon is underway today and tomorrow. All your donations are being matched by the Huntsman Foundation, who's donating $1 million. You can donate online at theroadhome.org. You can call 801-819-7300. The Road Home served over 6,800 people last year, nearly 2,000 of them children. They had more, hundred, more than 400 families in emergency shelter. provides one night of emergency shelter for an individual. You can donate online right now at theroadhome.org. Call 801-819-7300. If you want to do it over the phone, 801-819-7300. The Road Home, operated in the Midvale Family Resource Center on 9th Avenue in Midvale and then on 10th West in South Salt Lake, the Men's Resource Center. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Unright. You guys are doing a hell of a job. And I think about where Utah football is today. And the fact that Utah now is playing Ohio State in the Rose Bowl. And I don't know if I've told you that yet, but that's what's, that's what's going on. And I remember back at that time, 35, 36 years ago, where there wasn't even a snowball's chance that Utah would ever go to a Rose Bowl or ever play and compete against the Ohio State Buckeyes. That is unbelievable! Catch Unrivaled with Scott Mitchell and Alex Kieran weekdays from 3 to 7 on 97.5, 1280 The Zone. Powered by KSL Sports. Hot Takes and Toes brought to you by Utah Facial Plastics. Losing your hair is 2021 and you don't have to. UFP Hair Restoration offers a range of cutting-edge therapies to restore thick hair permanently. Just text HAIR to 801-960-3137 for 15% off any hair loss treatment or visit www.utahairmd.com. Jazz blow a big lead but still beat Charlotte. Good enough. Eldon says win by one or win by 100. It's all the same. Christopher and and, uh, Wyatt both say a win is a win. Hayden says no. Hayden wanted Charlotte blown out, annihilated, beat senseless. Get out. Stay out. It looked like it was going to be that way, but we see this all the time where it comes so easy for you. And the other team then sort of goes through the motions, but then they have a run because you sort of go through the motions. And so it's almost like a cliche in NBA games uh, that uh, teams don't stay down in the entire fourth four quarters. I do think there's some concern here, and you got to be aware of everything and be prepared for everything and go over everything as to why in the last couple of games or last few games, whatever it is, that you have had some decent leads and you've lost them. Now, it's not from a position of panic, but try to understand what happened that got you the lead 
and then what happened that lost you the lead and, you know, how you can improve on them. Because this is a never-ending quest for improvement, really. You know, and certainly not. there's no such thing as a quest for perfection in college or uh, NBA basketball, that's for sure. Really, in basketball in general, you hear the experts say, you know, it's a game of errors. So see what you did, particularly what did you do when you lost that lead and go through it and review it, which I'm sure they will do a thousand times over, and try to take some information from it and see what you can do to improve, because you have to improve. It's a constant game of trying to improve. I think in this case, they missed a lot of shots. In other cases, they didn't get stops, and the problem was at the other end of the floor. Uh, There are nights that they don't get offensive rebounds. I mean, they had 22 offensive rebounds less. The Jazz did, which is a phenomenally high number. But they had it because they missed a lot of shots. But if you're missing shots, grab a lot of offensive rebounds. And they did. Yeah, as I look at the opponents, you know, how good are they in rebounding? And I don't uh, look at the standings of all that stuff to see where they rank. But looking at them and watching the game, they don't scream to me, wow, they've got a bunch of guys that are just rugged on the boards, that type of thing. So you'd expect them to be able to do that. And particularly the way the lineup is set up for the Jazz, particularly the starting lineup, you know, your second best rebounder is a 6'4 guy. Well, that just screams that Gobert is going to have probably as many opportunities as anybody in the league to get his team's rebounds. And Hassan Whiteside had seven rebounds in 12 minutes. Again, a phenomenal pace for the limited time he's playing. That's a lot of rebounds. Right, but he's not on the floor with Gobert. Nope. nope. It was a perfect one for one. Gobert played 36 minutes and Whiteside played the other 12. So Yeah. Right. So, I mean, per, in terms of um, rebounds per minutes, Whiteside's going to be up there. Yep. Uh, but he doesn't play a lot of minutes uh, compared to O'Neal. And O'Neal does. And how many, last I checked, O'Neal you know, had like 13, 14 boards, right? And so that's pretty good, for, especially for someone his size. But I expect Gobert to be able to do those types of things because he's tall, he's good. That's what he's largely getting paid for defensively, which includes rebounding, although in this case, offensive rebounding too. So when he gets these 20 rebound games, I'm certainly impressed, but I'm not overwhelmed. It's not out of the realm for him to do that consistently because of the makeup of the team. And I think that what you just said about Gobert goes for the whole team versus the league. You're aware when they win, and you're impressed, you like the win, but for what the Jazz want to accomplish, for what the players want, the coaches want, what the fan base wants, got to get to the Western Conference Finals for the first time with this group, want to go further than that and win a championship. But when you've had the best record in the league, and your record is head and shoulders better than a lot of other teams, how many statement games are are there going to be where – you win one game, you walk off saying, that is really a good team. They can reach their goals. When you're sixth in the West, well, there's more teams to measure yourself against. But you get into the top three, they haven't played the Warriors or Suns. They won't until January, maybe for playing the Nets. But just, there aren't going to be that many games where a standalone game, you can look at a team and say they're really impressive. Most nights, if you get a win, you did what you were supposed to do because you're one of the best teams in the league. And you ought to beat Charlotte, who came in with a 16-16 and record, and Hayward was out. 
You ought to beat them. I believe in statement games. I think you can play about uh, 25 of them maybe. <laughs> in the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I don't think there's such thing as a statement game in the, in the regular season. Well, we know the Jazz have the Warriors coming up on the first, but if the Jazz look great and they win, it'll still be, well, the Warriors don't have Klay Thompson back yet, which is true because they won't have him back yet. And they presumably will for those statement games you speak of in May and June. Right. Yeah. And you want to win, and then some games can give you a little bit more, uh, let's see, maybe confidence. Uh, depending on if you need that. But if you need that, that seems like that's the teams that are trying to get to the playoffs. I mean, the Jazz are not trying to get to the playoffs. That is already sealed, you know, barring the ultimate uh, unbelievable disaster, right? Those, those teams, but the Jazz are not on that level now. It's about success in the postseason, and you listen to it. Uh, all these, uh, the, all the national commentators, that's what they're looking at. What will you do in the postseason? And that's where if the Jazz want to get some motivation, oh, my gosh, because pretty much everybody and their dog, uh, the, I think the, the who's the one, the, there's only one guy who doesn't doubt him in the playoffs, and was that Chad Ford? Or the rest of them, uh, <laughs> they, they, they do. You just listen to them, right? And, and, and Mitchell talked about that. I can't remember after what game. Uh, or maybe it was an off-day Zoom session. I don't know. They all run together. But basically, you know, they do have to prove it. And the time will come here in a few months when it will be prove time. Uh, it's a fun game on uh, the opportunity New Year's night. As you said, that they play the Warriors. No question about that. That's, you know, I can look at it in a slew of games. That's a bigger game. I get that. And that's a fun game. That's sort of where you you can measure yourself a little bit. But I, I don't know that I can say it's a statement game because I don't know that what matters what happened on January 1st when you get to June 1st or whenever you should be able, if you have the opportunity to play them. It's not like, oh, man, remember what they did? I, I just don't know that. The, the, the regular season, they come at you one after another, and you try to win as many as you can. And then you want to make statements? Make statements in the postseason. I mean, look at the, look at the greatest players in the league history. Who can remember what they did in the regular season? We can remember some games. I mean, like what Jordan put something fifty, whatever, putting fifty five on the Knicks yeah. in the Garden. And I didn't even remember. I knew it was fifty something, but I don't remember what, what year was that. I it was the year he what. came back from baseball. Oh, I can't. I can't tell you. Well, that. I had a documentary to jog my memory. Okay, fine. <laughs> I don't know if I would have got I mean, that all. But, but and that's but just it's still little, just one yeah. game standing out in a slew of games. But and yet we can remember a whole a whole boatload of stuff about the postseason. Yep, shrugging in Portland as he lit up the Blazers. I don't know why they're all going in. It's crazy, isn't it? I, I think I think that was in Chicago, though, wasn't it? Now you'll look it up. I know you will. <laughs> <laughs> That's yeah. the one I'm not going to look up. <laughs> on and on, that we can recall that. And that's that's a position you want to be in because that means that you're really good if you're looking at it. Because no one is saying, hey, you know, man, what, what, are, the, what are the Grizzlies going to do in the postseason? That's the way we're going to measure them. Now, they're a nice up-and-coming team, right? I mean, they lost last night, I think, there. But, uh, you know, they, they got some talent, and, and it looks like better days might be ahead. 
but they're not at that level yet. And there's few teams that are at that level. You know, maybe uh, five teams right now, six if you want to count the Lakers because of LeBron, and I don't have any problem if you do. Uh, but a couple of teams in the, in the East, uh, Brooklyn and the Bucks. Uh, you know, uh, Sixers can ever get the Simmons things straightened out and see what type of talent they get back. I would consider them in there. But that's about it, unless somebody's um, missing somebody off the top of my head. Yeah, I think, I think you're being generous with Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, if they got this, well, Embiid's a big time player, you know. He is, I mean? so, no doubt. So, yeah. and and maybe you could, in, in in time, with a healthy roster, you could put Denver in there. Uh, but right now, they've got uh, two starters out, and that, that's a significant blow. And they're not just role. Well, I mean, they're role players in extent, but they're high level role players. Uh, so uh, when they're healthy, you know, we'll reconsider that. But there's just a handful of teams that you're thinking, all right, their season is going to be determined by the postseason. So you want to be in there. Now, within that framework of those teams that are in there, there's a lot of pressure on the Jazz when we get to that point because of the fact that they did have the best record last year, and they're going to have one of the best. It doesn't look like they're going to have the best. I don't think that's fatal. But they're going – and it's a, it's a veteran core – it's not like, man, well, you know, let's give them a year or two to develop. Eh, not really. I, I don't know that I can say that. A year or two to develop? Nah, not anymore. Not when you got three guys in, in your 30s that are making vital contributions and, and getting to the point of mid-30s now. I realize Gobert and Mitchell are still younger and Mitchell really younger, but still he's been in the league and he's been the focal point basically since day one going back four years. That's crazy to think of, uh, five years that it's been that long, but it comes at you fast. So that's why there's going to be a lot of pressure on these guys to see what you can do because you haven't lived up to, at least last year anyway, maybe you can say they didn't, they weren't, saddled with big expectations last year or before last year. But once you have the best record in the league, you are saddled with big expectations and not getting out of the second round. There's no other way to spin it. That is a bitter disappointment. And I'm sorry to some of our friends out there who don't want to hear this, but that is a massive underachievement. And yeah, I know Conley had the hamstring and go uh, Mitchell, blah, blah, blah. But the other guys didn't have their top guys either, including the one guy who's considered the top two or three players in the league. Well, by the time they get to the second round this year, it looks like they are going to be running into an excellent team in either the Suns or the Warriors. Because well, they ran into an excellent team right. last year. That's why they got beat. And there is uh, no way that Ryan Smith is sitting there saying, yeah, we're paying all this luxury tax so we can get beat in the second round. I didn't even bring that up. I didn't <laughs> so, factor into it. But yeah, if you want to, absolutely. <laughs> so to say that a second round loss, any, any second round loss, it was a disappointment and it will be going forward. Because they're all in. They're all in right now. When you listen to the, you know, the preseason stuff, I mean, Ainge wasn't, I mean, he just got introduced. But when Justin Zanuck talked in the preseason, it was, I mean, the future is now. He didn't go all George Allen on us. But, man, that just echoes through the ages. And that's, you, you get in these, they call it team building. And you don't win until you have guys in your 30s, usually. And then as soon as you have guys in the 30s, you're on the clock. Because at some point... Guys are going to start having injuries and getting hurt. If this happens to LeBron, and it has, then it's going to happen to you too. I mean, nobody's more 
injury proof than that guy, and even he's struggled yeah. with it. So and they, they underachieved last year. Now everybody, we're a soft media market, and I put myself right at the top, so I'm not calling out any individuals. But everybody wants to point out about their injuries. I mean, we there's nobody who covers this team that doesn't want them to win. Nobody, me included. So I put myself right at the top of the list here. And so we look to soften the blow. Soften it all you want, but losing in the second round with the, sec- with the best record in the league is not good enough. And they know it. They full well know it. So they're not probably going to get the best record in the league this year, but they're built to try to win it all. And that's great. And, and as you say, the owner is paying a ton of money to try to win it all. And if I'm a fan, which I am, that's good. That's what I want. I want them to be all in on winning. And it seems to me by outward appearances that they all, every one of them that is in management, coaching, players, they all are in it to win it. Can they get it done? It's going to be tough. But that's what the, that's what the task is. And I like it. More people weighing in. Jazz blow a big lead, but still beat Charlotte. Is it good enough? Eric says, can someone please explain how this team can go through a stretch in a game where it looks like no team on earth could have a chance to beat them and then in the same game go through another stretch where it looks like no one on the roster has ever touched a basketball in their life? That might be an extreme. <laughs> I like it, though, don't you? <laughs> but I also like that in to follow that through, completely come back to the original – all right, those first two points, I mean, he's making a point there and exaggerating, I understand that. But the third chapter of that is then they put him away again. And that, and, and we could get lots of NBA people started on this, certainly Locke would do it. Uh, most NBA games, there's three runs, and the team that has two of them wins, and the Jazz had two of the runs. And you can watch a Laker game, you can watch a Suns game, you can watch a Warrior game. Watch the Nets if you don't want to stay up late and watch West Coast games. And that holds true across the league year after year. There's a lot of games. Not all of them. There was one run in that Phoenix-Charlotte game Sunday night, and that was all Phoenix all the time. But there aren't that many of those games. It's usually they have one run, you have two, you win the game. And that's what happened last night. Jazz had a great first quarter. They had a great final three minutes. With the game on the line, they just went off. And I love the fact that, okay, they get the lead. Uh, I think they hit a three, right? Went up some like 93, 92, was it? Something mm-hmm. along those lines. And then Conley comes down, and that's an three, old-fashioned three-point play. You know, I love to see Conley do his thing. He's a veteran through and through. You know, we talk about the steady influence, all those cliches that are there. But I like the fact that it was him. And, yeah, it was a significant blow last year. I don't discount the fact that he was out. Uh, I'm a I'm little hesitant to go with Mitchell when he's going for 39-9-9. and nine. Kawhi was out. That's the thing that you got to offset with Conley. That whatever problems you had with Conley, well, they had problems with Kawhi. So. But there's no question that they need him. There's just zero question that they need him. Absolutely they need him. And I like the fact that he's, he's hardly ever rattled. And he rarely shows emotion. The other night... In the game that they lost, he showed emotion on the one play towards the end, and then they reviewed it, and it turns out he was right. <laughs> the one time he shows a little bit of emotion, like uh, towards the referee, they review it and reverse the call because Mike was right. 
You know, so you can't discount that. And they need him. They need everybody. There's no doubt about it because they're not this overwhelming superstar team that's just stocked with a bunch of Hall of Fame dudes. Uh, So they do need everybody. I understand that. And if they don't have somebody, uh, somebody, you know, Mitchell and Gobert are more critical than whomever towards the end of the rotation. But they do need everybody. Yeah. And hopefully at that point, because that's what you want. If you're going to lose, you want a fair evaluation. And yeah, I get it. They didn't necessarily have a fair evaluation because they didn't have the full team. It sucks, but still, you got to deal with it here going forward. And let's hope that they do have their full capacity of players. And I like their chances when they get to that point. I'm excited for them to see what they can do at that point. And that's the thing that ought to scare everybody about the Warriors is they're off to this spectacular start, and they don't have their full complement of players. They're missing the guy we would all label their second best player. It's a huge loss. And yet, look at them go. They are crushing it out of the gate, and they're doing it without Clay yeah, Thompson. I mean, they are, but that's why I don't look at these games and just go crazy, because they're crushing it, and half the teams that they're crushing it against aren't going to make the playoffs. So what does that mean? Well, it means that they need to be ready for the uh, Suns and the Nets and whoever they get in the second round. Jazz, maybe uh, one of these teams, the Lakers, the Clippers, and the Nuggets are all dealing with a ton of injuries. Maybe it would be the Grizzlies, though, who are dealing with yeah. an injury of their own. I mean, John Morant. He's back now. He he's, he's back now, and now they've lost yeah. two straight games. So I assume that they'll struggle a little bit while his, uh, you know, the reacclimate somebody and everybody gets back to their new roles, new roles. But then don't you think they'll probably go on a pretty good run again? Speaking of Memphis? Yeah. Yeah. They're a nice they're a nice emerging team. Right. So yeah, they're 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 gonna be a tough out. Even if you beat them four one, I think they're gonna be a tough out because you can have individual games that are close, even if the overall series number doesn't indicate it. That's why I just don't look at, oh, they beat you 4-1 or you lost 4-1, whatever it might be, because the Grizzlies were tough, and I see no reason why they're not at least as tough as they were last year, and uh, logic would dictate that they're going to be better. But the thing about the Warriors, there was a few years back, and we all remember it, that they seemed unbeatable, and maybe I'm way off on this, and I very well could be. It won't be the first time, won't be the last. But I don't look at them as unbeatable or you need to go crazy to be able to beat them like it was a few years back. I don't see them in that spot, even though they're putting up a record that would indicate it. (laughs) DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. The Road Home Radiothon continues right now. We are joined by Alicia Gleed, communication specialist for The Road Home. Alicia, good morning. Good morning, my friend. How are you? I'm doing well. I don't have a million-dollar match from the Huntsman Foundation, and you do, so you know, you're know you a little <laughs> ahead of me, but good work by you. We're a little excited about it. I'm not going to lie to you. <laughs> so for people who don't know a lot about the road home, tell them, uh, tell them what you had to do in the last year with the pandemic, how that has changed things, and uh, how many people you've had to help and how it's worked. Yeah. So, I mean, our mission of the Road Home is to help people overcome homelessness as quickly as possible and move back into a home of their own. And so everything that we do really revolves around helping people move out of homelessness um, and moving back into housing. And so, you know, with the pandemic, I think that definitely provided um, 
plenty of challenges, right? Trying to ensure that the people that we serve are staying healthy and safe. Um, we've been working with many, many partners to help with this kind of with this goal um, because, of course, shelter is a hard place to be during a pandemic, you know. And so, we've been really grateful for our community partners, and our team has just been incredible working with people still every single day, 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you know, um, to ensure that people, one, have a safe place to go if um, they are in need of emergency shelter, um, especially like our families, um, and also making sure that um, they're staying as healthy as possible while while there, while still always working on that goal to move back home um, quickly. So over the last year, we actually served um, over 6,800 people and nearly 2,000 of those were children. Now, the one thing that's, um, and that's just in um, our emergency shelter, but the exciting part of that is, is again, our housing programs are so important because we know that the way to really end homelessness is to help someone move into a home of their own that they can stay in and, um, you know, be able to be stable in and things like that. And so on any given night, we're actually serving more people in our housing programs than we are in our emergency shelter resource center programs. So that's, that's definitely heartening and enlightening. So we're so excited about this event to be able to help tell some of those stories um, with our staff and like the great work that they're doing to tell stories um, more about the people that we serve and of course to help raise those vital funds to um, provide those programs and services that help people move back home. Approximately 750 people helped every day with emergency shelter, but double that, over 1,500 people helped with housing every day to keep them in housing and uh, keep them uh, self-sufficient. Alicia, we appreciate all you do. If you want to help Alicia, you can donate online right now at theroadhome.org, theroadhome.org, or call 801-819-7300, 801-819-7300, or online at theroadhome.org. Alicia, thanks a lot. Thank you so much. DJ and PK, coming up, top of the hour, we're going to visit with Riley Jensen, our college football insider, and Joe Ingles, coming up later this morning, 9 o'clock. Yach's just gotten the word. I literally two minutes ago. 9 o'clock, Joe Ingles, right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. This is Hanson Scotty. Let's do it. Danny Ainge has been named as the CEO of the Utah Jazz. Scotty, you called this going back into June, essentially. Obviously, Ryan Smith is an absolute brilliant mind. But I also think that in his mind, he's like, okay, I'm a brilliant mind of business. I want to be a brilliant mind in NBA management. In order to do that, let me get the most brilliant mind around next to me. This is going to sound like a criticism. Trust me when I say it is not because I respect the heck out of it. Danny Ainge is a cold-blooded killer when it comes to making moves necessary to try to win a championship. You look at the moves he made in Boston, when something has to be done, and it may not be popular for your fan base, but in your mind, it makes you better, he's going to pull the trigger on it. What kind of a show is this? Catch Hans Olsen and Scotty G every day from noon to 3 on 97.5 1280 The Zone. Powered by kslsports.com. Mika Couture wants you to help out this holiday season with the perfect gift. Stop by any location from Ogden to St. George today. Mention Zone 50 and save 50%. Guys, it's a no-brainer. Get in today, save 50%, and get the best gift ever from Minky Couture. 
Question of the day, part two, because we're in that overlap between football and basketball. Got a lot going on. The football question of the day. Now that BYU and Utah State are done, it's time to talk Rose Bowl. Where should we start? Well, I feel like we've already started, PK. <laughs> but you want to talk some more? <laughs> yes. You can never talk enough. What do you mean I you know, want to talk some really, more? We're not really starting here. We, we are. We started the Monday after the Pac-12 title game. But now we're done with Utah or BYU and Utah State. Now we focus in. That's true. Sure. We no, did that two weeks ago. There's no smorgasbord now. There's one game to focus on. And that's the, you, the whole point is the focus is on it before the focus wasn't on it. So now that the focus is on it, where do you go? The glory of the San Gabriels. I'll tell you. The what. energy as they come charging out of the tunnel and the stadium goes wild. I'm always willing to tell you where to go. <laughs> you go over there and sit in the corner and be <laughs> quiet. <laughs> I think as we begin the countdown to the Rose Bowl, and I think we had to get through with the other two bowl games, but now it literally is the countdown to the Rose Bowl. And now that we're here, I think we need to take a moment and recognize what an absolute incredible accomplishment it is that they got there in only 11 years, and really 10, because last year didn't count as far as I'm concerned. You only play three or four or five games and one of those games you go up against SC, and SC had already played one or two games, and you're sitting there getting games postponed left and right. I mean, that's never going to happen again where uh, one of your South Division rivals, opponents, whatever, I've got no call, problem calling them a rival. I won't call them the rival, but the way the conference is set up with the divisions, they are one of your rivals. you got several of them, all of them really. And with that in mind, you know, they had played games. That'll never happen again. So I forget last year. I think it's one heck of an accomplishment that the University of Utah program has got to the Rose Bowl in a decade. And I don't think we've celebrated that enough because there's been so much going on. And now that we step back a little bit, I think it's time to celebrate what an incredible accomplishment it is that they got there. How would you like to celebrate with a trip to Pasadena? Are you giving away one? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> no, I'm not. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> Yaks in. ineligible. He's ineligible. Dang Road it. trip. <laughs> I just want to The go David enjoy. James trip to Pasadena. <laughs> <laughs> Sponsored by, I like it. <laughs> David James. <laughs> this is sweet. Good job for you. There's a lot of negativity out there, PK. Mike says Ohio State 48 to 14. Yeah, but see, that's not the point now. Shane, how much are the Utes going to lose by? Uh, people want to get right to it. Want to downplay the Utes getting no. there by saying they're going to get blown out. Not, I don't want to do that today. I want to celebrate the phenomenal accomplishment that is them getting there. We will do that with Riley Jensen, our college football insider. He joins us next. Right now we're joined by... Mike Wagstaff, he is a supporter of The Road Home. The Road Home Radiothon continues on. You can donate right now. 801-819-7300 is the phone number. 801-819-7300 or online at theroadhome.org. Mike, good morning. Good morning. 
Mike, you're one of the sponsors of the uh, the Road Home. You're a big supporter. Why? What has caught your eye? There's a lot of good causes out there. Why have you chosen chosen this one? So the Road Home is amazing, amazing program. Uh, we've been involved for several years. I have a good friend that's on on their board, and so I, I see the good that the Road Home Shelter does, and we love to support and be a part of it. <clears throat> and when you say we, are you talking about Holiday Oil? Yes, Holiday Oil. We've had a, probably a 20-year tradition of trying to give back to the community. So this year, between our customers and ourselves, we raised $85,000. We used 26 of that with our own team members to go shopping for the candy cane corner that the Road Home provides for families. And so they were able to go out and shop for the individual kids so we love to give back to families and then we used uh, $25,000 of that for our own uh, families in our communities around our stations that uh, our store directors were able to reach out to and find and want to give great kudos to them for going out that's kind of a hard thing to find families that are in need and to be able to uh, communicate and uh, work with those families and be able to give give back to them. And then we have another $33,000 that uh, we are donating to the Road Home Shelter. So that's what we've been able to accomplish this year. So just really appreciative of our customers that donated, our employees that uh, helped put it all together. We have this Doing Good Committee that uh, organized this and put it all together. So it's just been a phenomenal year for us. So is there one moment, one story, you say you've got the, the, the friend on the board, where you thought, I'm all in, this really motivates me? So I, it's just overall, it's just amazing to see the goodness of our community, uh, the families that come together to, to bring goodness uh, into our community. I, I just can't believe um, we have so many amazing team members um, that just go out of their way to motivate others to lift and raise those around us, our own employees, our uh, family and friends, our customers. Uh, are really, it's just inspiring to see the goodness that goes on in our community and in our company. Well, Mike, we want to thank you for all your support. And if you would like to join Mike and Holiday Oil and donate into The Road Home, you can go online to theroadhome.org. Theroadhome.org. Or you can call 801-819-7300. 801-819-7300. They had nearly 2,000 children served last year by The Road Home. And for $32, you can provide one night of emergency shelter for an individual. Mike, thanks a lot. We appreciate it. Thank you. Merry Christmas to everybody. Merry Christmas to you, too. When we come back, Riley Jensen joins us, our college football insider. Stay with us.